Today's daf is daf mem dalid and hilgim masachas gittin. And we pick up towards the bottom of mem gimel amud beis. Let's do ourselves a favor and restart from the mishnah, even though we got close to the bottom. But uh, let's start from the mishnah a little more than halfway down and get ourselves a quick chazara. Okay, mishnah mem gimel amud beis. It is backing up uh, a lot, but hopefully we will have siyata deshmaya. To be able to uh, to cover ground. Here we go. Zok the Mishnah. Somebody sells a kinani to a guy or to chutzlares. Now, what's the common denominator between the two? He's going to not be able to perform as many mitzvahs. You sell him to chutzlares, he can't perform as many mitzvahs. You sell him to a guy, he can't perform as many mitzvahs. Yotzah ben Chayrin, the Ebed goes free. He's a free man. Ton Rab, one of the rabbis learned so should we. And let's keep going according to the price more than our Mishnah said. And you need to get from his first master. When they didn't write a document of freedom when he was sold. However, let's say they did write a document of a cause of then Zehu Shechrurai. Again. If they wrote a document of freedom, Zehu Shechrurai, which means you don't need a document. Why? The very fact that he was sold is a raya that he's free. All you need is a document stating that a yid sold him to a guy. Since halachically, every time a yid sells him to a guy, you're free. Since every time when a yid sells an Ebekanani to a guy, that Ebekanani goes free. So all the Ebekanani needs to show is the document of sale. Zehu, this is Hishtar Shechrur. Even though it's not saying on it, you are hereby free. But by looking at the document, we know halacha demands that he's free. So that sale document will suffice to, to uh, let him go, uh, to, to let him go free. My oinai, what does it mean? It's document number of sheshes, the kosevle hachi, When you run away from the, from the, from the non-Jewish owner, in the esigbach, I have no business involvement with you. Now, if you don't know what that has to do with anything, good. The Gemara is going to be bothered by that too. What does it mean you wrote, I have no business involvement with you? We'll see. Okay, two dots. Turn around, the rabbis, and that's why the rabbis love, 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 If let's say... Ready? A Yid borrows money from a guy, and he makes his Ebed Kanani the mashkon, the collateral... Once Avichavim makes a Nemuso, okay? Once he makes him a Nemuso, so then the, uh, the Ebed Kanani goes free. Once he makes the collateral, he goes free? A Nemuso. My Nemuso. What is that? Asks Steve and asks the Gemara. is a He did me a great favor. Yeah, you know what Nashkis are? No. It's my kid's uh, Bisley potato chips. Yeah, it's another brand of Bisley. It's a Nashki. Yeah, now what's a Nashki? So what a Nashki is, is uh, the Goyesha masters, the non-Jewish masters, would put like dog tags around the Evet's neck, stating that the Evet belongs to him. So when you're now, now that he's a collateral, he's going to be wearing a dog tag for the guy. Oh, so now that he's wearing a dog tag for the guy, so Yatzel Cheres is going to go free. It's as if like the guy already has a stickle of ownership. Must have Rashishas. Rashishas asked a challenging question. This is where we got up to yesterday. Ha'arisim. So, the halacha is, you're not allowed to sell land in Eretz Yisrael to a non-Jew. 
Okay? What if you have land in Eretzol that is owned by a non-Jew? And you have Arisen, a Jewish sharecropper. Vahachachirois. Or you have a non-Jew who owns the land and a Yid is renting the farm. Vaharise Bateyavis. Or Arise Bateyavis, where it's passed down for generations that these Yidin are going to be the ones working the land. That sets aside his field. As a collateral to a Jew who lent him money, even if they created an Imusai of the land, what does that mean? You set aside and you wrote down that this specific land is going to be is going to be owned by the Peturman and Meiser. All these things are putter from Meiser, which means if you have a land in Eretz Yisrael that's owned by a non-Jew, it doesn't make a difference if you have a Jew renting it. Doesn't make a difference if you have a Jew working it. Doesn't make a difference if you have a Jew who's a sharecropper in it, which means you get a percentage of the produce. That's what a sharecropper generally was. In all these cases, there's no obligation to Meiser because bottom line is it's owned by a non-Jew, and the only time you're obligated in biblical Meiser in the land of Israel is by land that's owned by a Jew. Now the Soda bas nashki he. If you're going to tell me that a nashki is a dog that you put around the evet of a, a the evet kanani, why is it referring to a field as a nashki? Fields can't wear dog tags. Alam of sheishes zman. Okay, you're right. That's not what a nashki is. A nashki is not a dog tag. You know what it is? It's a zman. It's the date that's put inside of it. Okay. Now, what does it mean? The date. What it means is. If you have a, year, a non-Jew that lends money to a Jew, he lends him $10,000. And in the Yid promises him in 30 days, I will pay you back. And if I don't, my Eved is your collateral. On the 30th day, that Eved becomes the non-Jews. Because he's Mamisha collateral. Okay? Now, on that day... That you don't pay, the non-Jew is going to take ownership over the Evan. Okay. Now, even though this is in civil law, and it's not a halachic thing that they wrote, the halacha still is the yid is obligated to free his Evan. He's not allowed to allow the Evan to move over to Inayve Kechav. Okay, says the Gemara. Well, Kashazman Azman, you end up with a contradiction between dates. On documents. Why? Because you have one brisa which seems to say that if you write a date on something, then the collateral is like it's already been taken. But in the second brisa that we just mentioned about the nashki on the land, we said that even if there's a nashki, which we're translating now as a date, even if there is a nashki in the document, it's not considered like a sale. Why? Because what was the halacha? Petura min It's not an obligation of miser. Even if the guy wrote the date to pay back the yid, it's not considered like it's the yid's land. You're not going to be obligated to take miser. It's a contradiction to the case of Evet, right? Make up your mind. When I set aside something and I write his mind, I write a date, and it's not paid back, does it become the lender's or not? Like Asha, it depends if you reach the day yet. If you reach the date written on the document, so then we'll say the... Whoever lent the money now owns the collateral because it hasn't been the loan wasn't paid back by a specific date. But the case of the land, which says that you're not obligated in Miser, even when the guy set aside a Nashki to pay back, he set aside the land as a Nashki. You say that's until the date. 
But once you hit the date, the halacha taka would be as follows. Let's take this case now. I have a non-Jew who owns land in Eretz Yisrael. A Jew lends him $10,000. He sets aside his Israeli land as the collateral, and they write a date of the eighth day of Tammuz, or the tenth day of Tammuz, to be paid back. Comes the tenth day of Tammuz, and he hasn't paid back. What do we say? Beseder. Tenth day of Tammuz, you haven't paid back. Well, guess what? It now belongs to the Yid, and you're Chayav and Meiser. The Jew's going to have to sit, take Meiser now. But if it doesn't reach the date yet, it's not the tenth day of Tammuz yet, he's not going to be obligated to Meiser. Ah, it's set aside as a Nashki. Still, it's not the date yet, so it's not yours. Okay. But when it comes to an Eved, we were dealing with, you already reached the date, Do you have to tell me, in other words, there's, no, there's not going to be an Ed Chiddush. Since the Eved is now already at the date where it's going to go back to the, it's, he's not going to go under the ownership of the guy. So obviously, the first master is obligated to free him. You're not allowed to give an Eved over to a guy. That was Allah the Mishnah. Rather, both situations are dealing with where you haven't reached the, the Zman in the document, the date in the document. Like Asha, and there's still not a contradiction. Why? One's talking about the Eved himself, the body of the Eved himself. He himself is set aside as the collateral. And when he himself is set aside as a collateral, it's not considered a done deal. But the other, one, the other case is talking about the Peirais, that was eventually going to be set aside after that field, okay? So what it means is like this. When you're obligated in Meiser, it's from the, the produce, the fruit, that is going to grow later. So the Jew who lent the money, since we're dealing with um, the lender having the ability to take fruit, but only until the loan is actually paid off, is it his land, then it's going to go back. Memela, the, uh, the land itself is not going to be obligated in my serve. You by say, Matapa today's daf, or you could say, um, where he, he lent it on condition to make it a mashkin and ultimately the lender did not take the collateral, right? In other words, there's times you lend somebody $10,000 and you give the land in its place. What if the land, what if the lender never, Munz, never comes to claim the land? So he doesn't take ownership of it. Lemaise, he was waiting for the money to come back. He doesn't want to deal with the land, he's waiting for the money. And that's where we say, when it comes to the laws of Meiser, since the, the Yid hasn't yet claimed the land, and taken possession over it, it's not going to be Mechoyiv obligated in Meiser. Okay, here we go. Lots of ground to cover. Let's move along. That's why the rabbis. If you have an Eved Kanani that's owed to a non-Jewish lender, and the lender takes the Eved Kanani by force, or or through Sikrikoin. Okay, what's Sikrikoin? Sikrikoin was, we'll call them government bandits, where basically they're coming to collect... Uh, the mafia, they're coming to collect the Eved, and they have not, no choice, right? If you don't give them the Eved, they're going to knock your head off. So if they take it to Tzuchikra and Layat the Eved doesn't go free. 
Now, why is Nebuchadnezzar going free? Because the Jewish master never agreed to let him go. The whole thing was done by force. And things done by force, the evidence is still considered an evidence. If it's done by... Um, he says, I don't understand. In the first case, we said the lender took, it, took the evidence by force. He still owed the money. If, let's say, you have the government takes the gyrin, takes the granary of a yid. If the government took the money because he owed them the value of the granary, so you're still obligated to separate miser from the granary that you already put together. But if this is going to cause on paris, if it's going to cause a loss to him, then paris, you're not obligated to separate Meiser from it. So you see that if something, even if it's taken away by you through force, we're going to look at it like it's a, uh, like it's a standard sale. The problem is, before we said, and that's by a granary that's taken away, the problem is by an Evan, we said that if he's taken by force for any sort of loan, we're not going to view it like it's a sale. So do we take forced loan payments or we view it like a sale or not? Over there, the Yid, had some sort of gain, had some sort of benefit um, uh, from this because now there's not going to be a chi of an obligation to separate uh, to separate Meiser. Okay, meaning like this. If the Yid owed $10,000 that the government came and forcibly took, so that Yid is actually gaining from it. Because even though we're going to say, ah, he didn't want to pay it. Yeah, but you are obligated to, and this is your regular overhead expenses. It's like paying your electric bill. You owed money to the government, they came and took it. That's still considered a profit that you'd be obligated to, separate, to, to set aside Meiser for. So over here, when the granary is taken away, he's, he's gaining. He's actually, he's even gaining the amount that he would have separated as Meiser. Because all that money is now going to pay off a debt. Where if they wouldn't have confiscated it now, they would have confiscated it in a week. Only 90% of it would have gone to pay off his debt because he already would have separated 10% for Meiser. So 10% would have been given away, would have been left with the, with, uh, the 900. And now that they took away the full thousand, he's considered to having gained from Meiser. And therefore, you got to give back that, uh, you got to give back that amount. Toshma, come and listen. If somebody sells his Ever Kenani to a Parhang Avekechavim. Okay. Now, what's this? So, Parhang, Rashi explains, is to get rid of a threat. You use the money because they're. they're Rashi says, You have somebody who's bringing charges against the young court. It's fake, it's phony, it's baloney. But in order to, to get rid of it, and sometimes it's worth it to just pay off things and spend some money to not have to deal with the whole ASIC. There's somebody who spends money um, and uh, he, he sells his servant so that th- th- this, uh, these people that are driving him sugar will cut it out, that Evid goes free. Now, it seems it's considered against your will, and it's still going free. Before another price we learn, you don't go free if it's against your will. Says the Gwar, no, Hasam Havali Lafayas. Over there, it's not considered against the will. Why? Because 
you could have this guy who's pulling, who's driving you nuts. You could have, uh, you, you could have, uh, you know, gotten rid of it through diplomacy, perhaps for Lapius, and you didn't do it. What'd you do? You didn't want to deal with it. It was a little bit of laziness, so to speak. Yeah. So since it, it's a, it's a, like a business overhead on your point, uh, on, on on your part, that it's uh, it's simply not worth it, and therefore it's considered like it was done, um, optional, and any time. A yid sells his guy to an avikachavim, and it was optional that avikachavim is going to go free. Gufa priest of a pivsi quote a statement. Amarava meicher avli leparang avikachavim yatz lachiris he goes free. My avli lemevad says the gemara why? What else could he have done? You're stuck. Avli lefai is like pius. No, you could have calmed him down in other ways, and you chose not to. You chose to give up this uh, this evet to him. Hence, it's considered a, a optional. And, and uh, uh, giving up of the Evid. And whenever you give optionally, uh, you know, according to choice, give the Evid over to guy, that Evid's going to be Yatz Lachir, it's going to go free. Okay. By Rabir, Rabir, me asks a question searching for information. What is Allah if he sells his Evid to a non Jew for 30 days? So it's kind of like renting it to him, but it's done in a way of a sale. Does the Evid go free? Tashma, come and listen. Okay. So, what's parhang? Parhang again. Now this is there's an added dimension to this that Mafarshim explained to us, and that is that when you're kind of being like connived into giving up your evan, people aren't going to do it long term, but they'll do it short term. They'll say, you know, let me get the court case thrown out, and then I'll deal with it after. Okay, so you see, even a short term is con- is uh, considered a uh, the halach is going to be yotz lacheres. That goes free. Awesome parhang. Says Gemara. Um, um, over there, maybe the halacha is <coughs> uh, by uh, when does a parang avicham go free? Is when the avicham actually would have taken him permanently. What if he sells his servant uh, besides for his work? Mahu, what is the halacha? Interesting shaila. Okay, so in other words, like this: you have a yid who owns the avicanani. He sells him to a guy. He tells the guy, listen. You own my Evid, but he doesn't have to work a day in his life for you. You'll own him. He'll be yours. You can add him to your portfolio. He's an investment on your part. However, you can't work him. Okay. Now, the reason why, Rashi explains, the reason why this is a unique case is because usually you're not allowed to sell to a guy because the guy will stop him from performing mitzvahs. Over here, he can't work him, so he can't really get in his way of doing mitzvahs. So maybe over here we'll be more lenient. Says, or if he says, you know, um, he'll work for you, but even if he does work, you cannot tell him to ever uh, transgress a mitzvah. Can't get him to transgress Shabbos. You stipulate that this Avikanani is going to end up being a free, uh, a from Yid. Yeah? So then what's the halacha? What if you, you have a regular Jew who sells him to a non-observant Jew? Here it means a Yisrael Mumer, a rebellious Jew. You sell him somebody who will obligate, who's, gonna, who's not so careful about the halachas. What about a kusi? Then he's going to go free. He says, Some say that uh, okay, some say he's like a uh, some say it's like Yisrael. Okay, 
Now, the Gemara asks a new question. They asked the question, searching face from Rabbi Ami. Okay, about a third of the way down at the two deaths. It's a very interesting question. If you have an Eved who becomes a bandit, Okay. So, what happened was like this. You have an Eva, you have an Eva Kanani who became a bandit. Now, why did he become a bandit? If you translate it literally, it means Shehipil He allowed himself to be taken in by the bandits. That's how he became a bandit. Yeah? They came together, like, he's good. He's happy. He's happy to go. So now the master has no chance of getting him back. What is the halacha if the master ever gets a chance to take the bandits to court? Can he claim a portion of their income because they have his evidence? And his evidence working for them. Go look in the Mechilta, and they found the time that the Bryce says, But if you have a Chavim that takes the house of Israel, and the Yid can't get the house back, you're allowed to take money, you're allowed to connive and find ways to get money back from the house. And you're allowed to get involved in the non-Jewish courts. Because he's basically saving things from these non-Jewish courts. You see that to grab something, um, I'm, I'm sorry, to take money from a property that's taken away is not going to be usher, even though you can't sell it directly. It says, Maybe it's only true by a house. Since a person, uh, it's not enough to not have a house. Meaning, it's, it's important to not become homeless. Yeah. So if you take money for a house that was taken away, a person really can't live, function. If he becomes homeless, so there's no concern that he may ever come to sell it. However, but an Ebed, who it's enough for him, you could, a person could do without a servant. You can't do without a house. You could do without a servant. Maybe we'll say he's going to end up selling his servant. And um, and uh, if he sells him on purpose, he'll do that because, we know, because he knows that we allow money to be taken for a, a, a grabbed slave. So people start pulling shtick for this. I like or maybe we say, no, nah, he's not going to try to pull this shtick. Okay. So, shalach, so one of the machlekas about the house is the same as over here. Shalachalim of Ami, the center of Ami. Mine Ami Bar That Ami Bar says, Mini, for me, Tyre Yatzel Chol Yisrael. It should be the Tyre, the following halach should go out to all of Klai Yisrael. That Ebed, she belongs the guys. If you have an Ebed who, who ended up changing teams and joining these bandits, Vain Rabbi Yochalaitziyah, and his master can't get him back. Lebedin Yisrael, Lebedin Yisrael, Motrelito Lazdamov. He could take his value. You're taking it. You could take it to Gaiyish court because it's like you are removing money 
from their hands. I'm Rabbi ben Levi. Burn sells the Maisa. Practically sells his yid to a guy. We give him a knas. We give him a, a, a fine. And we say, the Jewish bezin is going to obligate him. We're going to say that you have to pay up to a hundred times whatever you sold him for. So if this non-Jew who purchased the, uh, the Eved Kanani paid a hundred dollars for it, you're going to have to pay ten thousand dollars. You're going to have to pay a hundred times a hundred. What? Yeah. What are these circumstances? If if somebody sells an eved to a guy against halacha, it's a valid sale. The guy bought the eved for a hundred dollars. The halacha is going to be: you have to pay up to a hundred times whatever you sold him for to get it back. You have to pay him ten thousand dollars to get it back. It says the Gemara: Davka oilay Davka. What does a hundred times the amount mean? Is that specific or not? It's up to ten times, so it must be an exaggeration. Maybe in Evertak you'd have to pay back a hundred times because it is an extra knas. Maybe it is literal because every day that an Evert's away, he's losing out on the ability to perform. We give you a bigger knas. It's a bigger fine. You, you sent them away from the ability to perform mitzvahs. Of ten, ten times the amount. There the Ebed does not go back to his uh, uh, original owner. Even after you pay, he's, uh, we know that Allah is, he's going to go free. And therefore, that's why you're going you're gonna to pay uh, a little less. What is the reason that if somebody sells his animal to a non-Jew, why do we say you got to pay back up to ten times the amount? Because the, the animal could eventually go back. Why don't we just tell him to pay double? What's with ten times the amount that we're going to knast you because you shouldn't have told him? Okay, says Gamar, you're right. Rather, the case of the Eved is something that's not shir, something that's not common, and something that's not common, they're going to, the Chacham say, a hundred times the amount, because you have no excuse to even go there. But something that's more common, i.e., selling your animal to a, to a non Jew, it's more common like that. So, Memela, the Chacham didn't make a hundred times the amount, you only have to pay up to ten times the amount. Yes, correct. Correct. A number of reasons, uh, a number of reasons given the Gemara of Aydazar. Why you're not allowed to do these things. We're concerned that, that uh, the... Um, God will abuse the animal in some way. Yeah, right. Right, bestiality and, yeah. and you're, you're setting up the guy for Averis as well. So... But he still has the Gemara of Aydazar goes so far, you're right, the Gemara of Aydazar goes so far to say you have to be careful with the laws of Yichud. A guy... A guy might have yichud with animals. Now the mafarshim and the, already the the gemara itself really hints to this. We're not dealing with the standard of the gacham. We're dealing with there was another gacham who were the base of society, mamish like low of the low, and um, that's who we're dealing with is is uh, um, suspected of uh, bestiality and and things like that. But whenever you're going to have an issue, an iser. Of selling to guy, that's what we're up against. Allah behema time am I. We show him the hajj. Look to say tzichad. Allah even most like shicha. Okay, beautiful. 
Do we knas his children who come after him? And we, do we say you're obligated to buy the Evid back? Or do we just do it to the, to the guy himself? So if I sell the Evid, do I have to buy him back? Or if somebody sells the Evid and then he passes away, to an Evid and he passes away, do the children have to buy him back? If you're going to tell me by the halacha where you have a kayan who made an issue with the ear of of the um, uh, no of the bechar of the firstborn, so we said that if you have a bechar that has a, a shtickle blemish, a shtickle uh, mum, so the kayan shechts it outside the base hamikdash. And the, we're going to eat the meat in the usual place that was done um, by a, uh, you know, out, outside the Kaidish. Um, but the halacha is you can't on purpose create the mum. You can't on purpose create the blemish to make it more accessible to eat it, uh, to eat it wherever you want. So, a mum on the bechar animal, but over here it's just nisid rabbanon. To sell your eved to a non-Jew is not also midaraisa. Midrabbanon say you're not going to do because you're removing mitzvah, mitzvah opportunity from him. And memela, if it's a knas on the guy who sold the um, who sold the eved kanani, who says we're going to knas his kids? His kids didn't do anything wrong. Who says we should find them? Top of amud beis. The imtim tzleimar, and if you're going to say. Kivon, kive memlachle b'mayin umeis. That if someone, if someone uh, purposely uh, uh, set aside work to do on cholamayid, we know you're not going to do melacha on cholamayid, and then he dies. Like kansu b'nai achrav, we don't knas the children, um, uh, the the children after it. Now the halacha is if somebody cre- makes a creation on yomtiv that he wasn't allowed to do, so it's he has to give up on whatever he created. He's not going to see bracha from it and. And uh, he's not allowed to uh, hold on to it. That is all a knas derabbanon. So hachamai the two knas derabbanon v'halasa he's not around. I don't want the minor knas derabbanon. Maybe derabbanon knas his estate v'haisa, and his estate is here, and hence they should also be obligated to um, not gain from whatever was done on cholamayit. So Amalei says back to him. Tinisua we learned sadesh and his sadesh and if you have a, a field that was cleared out on Shemitah, Tizara Lamatzi Shvius. The halacha is you have to seed it right when Shemitah is over. As soon as Shemitah is over, you got you to um, uh, you, you plant it. Netavya in a Let's say he, he uh, had animals graze there and place their manure there during Shemitah. So again, you're not allowed to work your field during Shemitah. So what if the owner, though, he didn't work his field, you know what he did? He had his animals purposely graze on the field and leave their dung on the field, which will turn to fertilizer, and help things grow for Matzei Shvius. So he's not working the land itself. He's just making sure that his animals are on the land, so the, during Shemitah, so the land will be ready to grow after Shemitah, like Tizar the Matzi Shvius. He's not allowed to plant right away on Matzi Shvius. We're going to Kanasim. 
Because what are you doing? You're preparing during Shemitah for, for uh, uh, planting. And therefore we're going to cost you, fine, rabbinic fine, eighth year, you're not allowed to do that either. The Amar, the Amar Rabbi Yaisi we have a Messiah, Hetiva Umes, if somebody uh, fertilizes his field and then die, Benayazari, his kid could, even though you can't gain from it in the eighth field, and in the eighth year, but what if the guy dies who did this? The one who pulled the shtick with his animal dies. His children can now work the field in the eighth year. Because they didn't do the shtick. In other words, if my animal walks through your field on Shemitah and leaves manure, that's not a problem for you. You didn't purposely do this. You don't get knast. So when you have a kid whose father did this, we're not going to knast when he can work the field. We see that when the rabbis place a knast, a fine, they do it on the person himself, they don't do it on the children. Amar Abai, Abai says, Naktina, we have a Messiah, what if somebody, um, uh, what if somebody makes his friend's tahar food, tome, and then he dies. We do, we do not knas his children, um, his, uh, his children after him, to pay. Okay, if you make somebody's taras and tuma, you don't forget to pay. My time, what's the reason? Something that's a damage that, that's not nicker, that's not recognizable, is not caused damage. You can't see the difference between Tomei produce and Tar produce. And therefore, just a knas of the Rabbanon. So, but to the sons, the Rabbanon do not knas. Okay. To that, let's see how far we can get. We have three minutes left. Let us get going. We have a lot to do. Turn around, one of the rabbis learn social way. If a master sells his evid outside from Eretzol to outside Eretzol, you have to let him go free. Same as telling him to go. You're not allowed to sell your evid to a place where he's going to be able to do less mitzvahs. So you can't sell him to go, you can't sell him to chutzlars. What's your point of evid knani and an evid? You took a huge slay? Yeah, an evid ivri might be an ivri. Turn around, the rabbis learn social way. Yamachar avdin chutzlars, somebody sells evid to chutzlars, outside Eretzol, that's the chairs, the evid goes free. If it's our kid shikher, but he still needs a letter of, of freedom in order to be able to marry a Jewess from his second master. Whoever he was sold to. Sometimes he goes out when he's sold to Chutzlart. Sometimes not. Kate said, what's the sometimes? If he says, I sold my Eved to this guy who's from Antiochus. Yeah? The Eved is not going to go free. Okay? Why? Because maybe... He lives in Antioch. Maybe he lives in Antiochus. You don't know that it means, uh, right? Just because he lives, it doesn't mean go free. La Antuchi, Shebe Antuchia. But if you say, I'm selling him to Antuchi in Antuchia, what are you saying? A guy named Antuchi, Jews don't give that name. Chas Vashol, Right? There's certain people you know Jews going to name their, their child after. But if you say Antuchi from Antuchia, then Yatza. It's very clear in the document that you sold him to a guy. You're not dealing with a location. But time we learned the Brisa Machartil Lantuchi. I sold him to Antuchi. So he goes out. Lantuchi has shoyu belud. Loyatzi. We sold to Antuchi, who lives in Lud, which is a, a city inside Eretz Yisrael. Then he does not go out. Says Gemara like Kasha. There's no question over there. Had the Isvlei Beisa Eretz Yisrael. Had the Isvlei Oshpiza Be Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Maybe we're dealing with uh, you had this guy from Antioch, and he had a villa. In Eretz Yisrael, since he had a villain in Eretz Yisrael, so um, he's not necessarily going to go free because I'm selling him 
to somebody else in Eretz Yisrael. Not outside Eretz Yisrael. But if you're here, there's a search of information. Ben Bavosh also Isha married Yisrael. If Ben Bavosh married a woman in Eretz Yisrael, Bechnis Leiav Adam Mushachas, and she brings along with her Adam Mushachas Vidaiti Lachzar, and he wants to go back to Bavam Mahu. What is the halacha? In other words, now she got married. She brought him Adam Mushachas. It's like she is it like she gave her them over to her husband, and now that she goes back, if they leave, it's like they left Eretz Yisrael. In other words, like this: you have a woman who lives in Chutz Laaretz. She marries a man who lives in Eretz Yisrael. She brings into the marriage servants, and she now they're moving back. To her place, is it considered like they moved to Eretz Yisrael and now they're leaving from Eretz Yisrael? Because it's her husband's considered to own them, and he can't do that. Or do we say to them, no, 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 you are not Israeli avod because your original master came from outside Eretz Yisrael. So that's the shaila. Wait, is it, if she brought the servants into the marriage, how does the husband own them? Because whatever she brings to the marriage, he he makes use of. He's allowed to make use of it. He gets the Paris, the work. But she still See, owns them. That's right, but he gets the work. So therefore, with regard to... That's right. This ownership? Yeah, so we'll say, if they leave, so now the, they're, they're going to be lowered in their ability to do mitzvahs. How do we view this? That this question applies whether or not, this is going to get to your question, which is why I'm moving on, whether or not, uh, there's machlekes, how to view these avodim at this time. How do you view them? Do you view them as like they're part, they're considered like dowry? Okay? Or do we view them as a uh, uh, separate entity? In other words, he has to give them back as soon as they get divorced. What if the husband refuses to give them back when they get divorced? Is he a ganav that they're hers if he has to give? Or does he just have an obligation to give and he's not doing it? Either way, he's, he's doing something wrong. The question is how to view who the ultimate owner is. See, by the way, that she's considered the owner of Kiva and that Dinima, since Allah is like her, so it's considered like hers. Or maybe since he has access to the produce, so it's considered his, because what, what, what's the purpose of ownership? To be able to make use of it. He's the one who's able to make use of it. Since Allah is with him, so it's considered his property. Since he never mamish acquired ownership over the body, over here, maybe it's going to be considered like her. Says Gemara over here, Teku, that question stands. We are unsure how to uh, how to view this circumstance where she's bringing the avodim mushvachis into a marriage with her and then taking them outside Eretz Yisrael. We have to wait for Leo and Navi to come and determine how to view these avodim again. Because if they're called Israeli, if they became Israeli, now they're going back. They're going to go free. But if they never took on the status in the first place, then they're going to stay, then they have to stay with the original owner. Okay, we're going to have to do that. We're going to pick up from Amar Rabbi Abo. Yeah, go ahead. Have a wonderful evening, Heber.